Ricky Martin says he needs time to heal after nephew drops incest and harassment claims. He needs time to heal, y'all. Ricky Martin is speaking out hours after his nephew withdrew claims that he was harassed by the 50-year-old singer after calling off their alleged affair. After hearing the allegations against him had uh, dropped, the Latin pop artist expressed himself in a video obtained by TMZ in front of the cameras today because I really need to talk in order to start my healing process. So let's go and watch that video because Ricky Martin, um, I'm, I'm actually really happy that this actually came out. Um, um, we went over that video and uh, uh, popped corn the, the, over at, on YouTube. They really laid out a lot of evidence showing that this person um, had a criminal record that they, they, he had some um, the, the nephew had some other uh, restraining orders against other people his managers trying to come get him so uh, so I, I really I really thought that uh, I'm really glad that Ricky Martin was let off the hook now did he do it I don't know I want to think that he didn't Ricky Martin's gone this whole time without any scandals really uh, even if he did do drugs again, like what gay dude isn't doing cocaine and having awesome sex? So what's going on? You know, what's going on? Uh, hey, all you lovely people. Moving Dutchman, I put another call out to uh, I have a beard. We'll see what happens. Uh, if he denies me, it's your fault, Moving Dutchman. It's your fault and you'll be banned. I can't quit you, Moving Dutchman. All right, so let's watch this uh, this this uh, this video that Ricky Martin has released. It would take a buttload of drugs for me to do that. No pun intended. <laughs> well, I mean, doing a bunch of drugs and having sex is fun. I mean, I'm not promoting that, but like in my younger days, doing a bunch of drugs with a girl because I'm I'm just a regular old asshole cis male over here. I would do drugs with chicks and we'd bang all night. That was awesome. I had a good time in my younger days. I don't think that you should do that unless you want to. I'm not here to tell you what to do. But, uh, you know, I had a good time having sex with, and doing a bunch of drugs. That was the shit. But again, I don't want to promote it like that's the thing to do. Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Shouldn't do drugs. I heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Nate is like, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Me and my girl going to do a bunch of cocaine and have ourselves a party. Uh, again, doing drugs with a female and, and for me was fun. But for you guys, I don't know. That's all on you guys. But I, I don't suggest it. Don't do drugs, drugs are bad. It is my mission to get him here. But oh my God, he is such a nice guy. If I was a woman. <laughs> if I was a woman. That's the fastest way the drugs can hit through your butt. So I think it's easier to get to the bloodstream that way. If I'm scientifically correct, the sacred needles approach. Hmm. I want the milk from Clockwork Orange. I don't remember the milk from Clockwork Orange. Was it was it good milk? Was, did it get you all fucked up? I can't remember it. I only remember like that terrible part and the part where his eyes are all like held open and shit. Uh, the book says it's loaded with drugs. Well, there you go. If the book says it, it must be true. 
All right, so let's watch this Ricky Martin, a painful and devastating. Uh, and again, I, I'm happy that Ricky Martin is getting off the hook here. Um, I don't think he did it personally. I don't want to believe that he did it. He's gone all these years with no scandal. The kid had a criminal record. It seems like he's out there. seems like people are trying to get him for his money right now. So um, let, let's see what Ricky Martin has to say. He also put out a version of this in Espanol. Because I... I'm in front of the cameras today because I really need to talk in order for me to start my healing process. Uh, for two weeks, I, I, I was not allowed to defend myself because I was following a procedure where the law, uh, the law obligated me not to talk until I was in front of the judge. I think the law, that's probably a good thing. Your lawyers were telling you not to talk because you, you're probably better off. The thing that I respect about Ricky Martin, too, is that he didn't cancel his, he didn't cancel his uh, performance at the Hollywood Bowl. He's coming out with a new album. He just moved right forward. I feel like people who are guilty are, are going to go into hiding. They're going to like cancel all this shit. I, I feel like people that are super guilty are, are going to, are going to like, you know, right off the bat, it's not me. I didn't do shit. And then, and, you know, cancel shit. And I feel like Ricky Martin just mowed right on through it. He made one statement online and that was it. And he's like, I'm going to do all my other stuff. So. Um, there we go. Let's go. And got this claims were proven to be false, but I'm going to tell you the truth. It has been so painful. It has been devastating for me, for my family, for my friends. I don't wish this upon anybody. Yeah, I and that's the other part of this, right? Like he is getting it's not just him who's going through this. It's his friends, his family, his, his children. You know, and, and and his reputation, that's the one shitty part about this. This guy has done so good at preserving his reputation. And then just for this to sort of come out, this is hard. This is a hard thing for anybody to have to go through. But we love you, Ricky. I don't know anybody that's clean shaven after getting accused of something who says they're trying to hide something. In the words of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, come as you are. And also a page in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this guy got all uh, sp uh, spiffied up. Looks good. He still looks beautiful. He's a beautiful man here. This is beautiful man meat right here, folks. Looking good for the camera. To the person that was claiming uh, this nonsense, I, I wish him the best. And I wish he finds the help so he can start a new life filled with love and truth and joy and he doesn't hurt anybody else now my priority is to heal uh, and how do i heal with music i cannot wait to be back on stage i cannot wait to be back in front of the cameras and entertain which is what i do best thank you to all of my friends thank you to all the fans who always believed in me you have no idea the strength that you gave me with every comment you wrote on social media. I wish you love and light, and here we come with the same strength and passion. God bless you all. Okay. Uh, moving Dutchman, how dare you? How dare you compare this beautiful piece of man meat 
to that to that. Well, let's just face it. Amber Heard is still hot. She's still pretty badass. Uh, but <laughs> uh, uh, you're getting Amber feeling somehow. Listen, I could see that. I guess I could see that. It, it, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. And again, who knows what happened? You know, I saw online a lot of people were like, "Well, he must have paid her off. Must have paid him off. Must have paid him off. You know, keep him shut. Keep his mouth shut." But I, I don't know. You know, I, I really, I, I don't know what the the case may be, but it, it, it's a horrible thing to go through, I'm sure. You know, like, it, it's not, it, it, I, I mean, if he did it, then damn him to hell. But if, if he's just getting ran through because he's just trying to get milk for money and this person does have mental thing, I mean, he's like wishing that person, his nephew, the best of luck in life. You know, he wants him to get help. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe that means something, maybe it doesn't. That's Vince McMahon who's playing people off of the WWF. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. Um, so uh, uh, Kemper, Kemper, Kempire, he did a pretty cool video on the whole situation. He kind of broke it down. Um, I don't know if we'll watch this whole video, but he definitely has some good insight on the whole situation. So let's watch a little bit of this. Aren't just one in court in the restraining order against him from his own nephew. Welcome back to the Kempire Daily YouTube channel, your number one source for pop culture news and music, entertainment, Make sure you like and TV, subscribe. And so much more. As always, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you never miss out on breaking news when we go live or when we upload. So as you know, it feels Upload. like we've been covering this story for a long time, but it really hasn't been that. Maybe we should hire the, the analyst of body language woman in this show. Is there body language? <laughs> Let's see if there's body language for Ricky. Ricky! Oh shit, guys, we got Analicemos it. Analicemos el lenguaje corporal, expresiones y microexpresiones. Oh damn it, she's speaking another language. You guys ready for some? You guys ready for some? Uh, for some uh, translation here? Oh oh, let me see if there's something else. Morning ritual. Ricky Martin denies an allegation. Damn it! All right. Analicemos el lenguaje corporal, expresiones. Let's analyze body language expressions. In the book of Samo Positive Negativity, a.k.a. Passive Aggressive 101 Classic Moves, The Art of Master pro uh, pr Practitioner of Saltiness. You are very good at that. All right, guys, let's see if we can get through this without me losing my shit here. And microexpressions of Ricky Martin. Welcome to Pan1111. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this video. As always... Hello everyone, welcome to this video. As always, we'll be start. Share the technical and theoretical part. Everyone can generate their own conclusion. Having said that, let's start with the analysis. I don't know what any of that says. I'm Mexican. I don't know how to do this Spanish stuff. No tomes decisions. Okay. The first thing we notice is his posture. Notice how his hands are tightly intertwined. 
And how he squeezes his finger. This is a gesture of self-control. This means that Ricky Martin... Is he feels stressed, anxious, nervous, fearful, and even insecure. Besides that, this is a way of telling himself that everything is going to be okay, but not his lips. See how they are elongated horizontally. Uh, this is known as a unit of action 20, and it tells us that there is a mixture between surprise and emotional bond means that he feels affected so he's his lips say that he's emotionally affected and uh he's self-soothing his hands so this girl looks really young to be a body language expert though but we're going with it Uh, or the next state, I have been working in the ES for almost four decades, stage shows in the public eye. What? Self-soothing. The first thing he says is that I have been working on stage for almost four decades when he mentions that raising his eyebrow which indicates emphasis i have been working on the stage in the public eye for almost four and then we can notice a, this asymmetrical expression as it could be oh god damn it i'm such a shit reader and then we notice this asymmetrical symmetrical expression as it could noticing it only leaves a raised eyebrow that is left eyebrow remember that the left side of our body ugh, represents the most genuine and emotional side also see how it raises the internal part of the eyebrow not the external the internal this means that so he's got this whole like, uh. yeah, okay, we got baby, uh, but just give me a second. I'm trying to watch this. There is sadness and regret working on stage in the public eye. Why does he regret? Mentions that he has never had to deal with something so painful. And when he mentions it or shakes... His head here, there is synchrony and congruence since he is verbally and bodily denying. Ah, I see. So he's, so because he is actually saying what he's saying and saying no and he's shaking his head no, it's synchronized and, and there's a congruence there. Whereas like uh, when you see Amber Heard talking about stuff and she was being like, yes, I was abused. Yes, I was. Yes, always. He was always beating me. Yes, he was always. Be <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to Baby Yoda here in a second. This moment never comes. It seems to be to me very important and is reflectless, reflects a reflex stimulus. And it is when he mentions. 
parece muy importante y es un estímulo reflejo y es cuando menciona fui víctima. I was a victim. When he says that we can notice his, this expression, the first thing that you will notice, okay, here's the juice. Here's the juice. Cuando dice eso podemos notar esta expresión. Lo primero que podrán notar es una ligera sonrisa. Is a slight asymmetric smile means that the... Genuine spontaneous emotional side is raising its left corner and see how not only that is also turning in turning to so around here the right downwards indicating that there is a connection with emotions and sensations therefore this is indicating that he is genuinely connecting with the emotions by mentioning that he was the victim and they are emotions of contempt. He was a victim of the lie. Now pay close attention because this is a key moment in the analysis since after saying I was the victim, he mentions a lie and when he says this, he generates this expression. It's a great reflexive stimulus mentioning the lie generates this re reaction specific expression in your body and that is very important since we are an analyzing is posture before sorry i'm sucking guys uh what you are saying in the situation and defending yourself and mentioning the lie uh, is not only generating contempt as we have already seen when he speaks of being a victim, but it is also he is generating surprise, astonishment, disgust, disgust, displeasure. He is the victim of the lie. Yeah, I see it. Look, he's just like, I didn't fuck my nephew. After saying that he seeks to regain his composure and we notice it since his nostrils are slightly dilated, this is known as 38 and indicates that he seeks to calm. Down then he directs his gaze towards the lower right indicating that he is connecting with sensations, remember that I have a video that I just uploaded specifically talking about all the meaning of the looks, and I will leave it there just in case you haven't seen it. Mentions, unfortunately, and when he says that we see how the camera turns and suddenly he averts his gaze, breaks eye contact, indicating to us that there is insecurity sorrow or shame in addition to that see how he thins his lips this is known as unit of action 23 which is indicating retention of either emotions or information remember when you see this when someone is tightening their lips in this way refining them generating almost a straight line indicates to us that the person retains something and it is like biting his tongue unfortunately Ooh, that's not good so maybe there's some truth to him banging his nephew i don't know
When he says the attack came, when when uh, when he says the attack came, we can notice how he raises his eyebrows, indicating in. Full shadow the previous sentence, saying a member of the family, and when he mentions that, we can notice. This expression, notice how he slightly raises the inner part of his left eyebrow. This is known. I'm going to speed this up a little because why not? Who cares? I can't understand what she's saying anyways. As a version unit, one unit, and it is indicating sadness, regret, and being afflicted. See how light this movement is remember that uh, is remember that Ricky Martin uses Botox and he himself has confirmed it. Oh shit. In interviews, this is very important to take into account since they are limiting their facial expressions. Oh shit. Yeah, because Botox sort of uh, paralyzes parts of your face. So it is part of their baseline that it came from a family member. And then they uh, and then they sigh, forcing their lungs to take a breath to relax. Precisely, they're dealing with mental problems, and they say that your relative is dealing with mental problems. And when he mentions that, he we will notice how he nods. So there is coherence and congruence between what he says verbally and bodily. Says that he wants me to find the light, and when he mentions that, he generates this expression, as you can see. See, he continues to raise his eyebrow, the inner part of his eyebrows, indicating sadness despite being afflicted, but we can also see how he lowers his chin, indicating a defensive gesture that he is protecting himself and also closes his eyes slightly, indicating analysis or skepticism. Passes his tongue over his lips, indicating that he is nervous, but about what he is about to say. This is indicating that he is taking care of his taking care of his words and mentions the lie. It hurts a lot, and when he mentions that nod, that he nods again, there is congruence between what. He says verbally and bodily when he re reaffirms it with his movements. He does not lie. It does not. He does a lot of damage. He says that the lie did a lot of damage to him, to his husband, to his children, to his parents. And when he mentions that, pay close attention above to his nasal labial fold here you are just going to see how things begin see see how this begins to jump we are indicating disgust and displeasure he did a lot of damage to me 
to my children, my husband. Yeah. Process that had to follow, and when he mentions that again, he nods, indicating us again. Congruence, he could not defend me before. For this video, I hope you liked it. So easy for the sake of commenting and sharing. Okay, so what she's saying that there might have been something. There might have been something there of truth between him and his nephew, maybe. But it looks like most things line up and that he was, po he was probably telling the truth. So thank you, Pam1111. Soldier Boy addresses rumors that he was maced by Charleston White. Uh, two, just two days ago, YouTube, YouTuber Charleston White claimed that he and his crew maced Soldier Boy. No thanks. The crank that rapper took to social media on Friday to set the record straight. If I knew you guys as was gonna get on the internet, talk all this gangster shit, all of this crazy shit, and reach in your girl's purse and start spraying pepper spray in the air, running. Uh, guys like it's a trail running with pepper spray. Pepper spray, what the fuck? Sorry if I'm stumbling through that. Big Draco didn't have the Draco on them. <laughs> Soldier went on to call Charleston and his crew for pulling out pepper spray on him, saying, you guys are so scared of me. Y'all dudes <laughs> gotta pull pepper spray out of your bitch's purse. Running with pepper spray, what the fuck? He continued. So here's a little bit of both of those uh, videos, which we can go and see different versions of them too. Uh, they, they, they're posted eloquently on the... Twitter. Man, I don't want no smoke with none of you niggas. If I knew that you niggas was gonna get on the internet, talk all this gangster shit, all this crazy shit, and reach in your girl purse and start spraying pepper spray in the air, running, nigga, while you like this, like it's a trail, nigga, running with pepper spray. Big Draco in the mood. <laughs> you niggas so scared of me, y'all niggas gotta pull out pepper spray. Out your bitch purse, running with pepper spray. What the fuck? I thought you niggas was gangsters. Hold niggas on. Pulling out pepper spray. Hold on. I love that he's doing this. Like, if you watch the video, he's like holding all this money all the whole time too. I love that Draco's over here, just like yo with the money. <laughs> you both speak English good. Yes, we do. Thank you. Superman that H. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I, I just love the whole aesthetic that Soldier Boy's got going on here. Like, it's just amazing to me. And he does have a point. It's like, y'all are, y'all are pepper spraying people. <laughs> but I guess it's better than shooting at people. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of violence. All right. So I guess I'd rather have Charles and White uh, pepper spray soldier boy then shoot him because yeah you know <laughs> let's get back into this and doing the dashboard nigga stop talking about big draco nigga stop saying my name nigga <laughs> got you niggas pulling out pepper spray doing the dash nigga <laughs> caught you with your bitch nigga 
Caught you with your bitch, nigga. Lacking, nigga. You thought this shit was sweet, nigga. Caught you with your bitch, nigga. He had that nigga money. Nigga reached in his bitch purse, nigga. Pulled out some pepper spray, nigga. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> How he says fuck is a Niggas amazing. pulled out some pepper spray and sprayed it in the air, nigga. Nigga ain't even. Nigga went to spread it in a circle, nigga said. <laughs> Like he was disinfecting things. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> he still has his money too. What's wrong with this nigga, bro? I ain't never, I ain't never seen a nigga in my life pull pepper spray out his bitch purse. They don't know if they had been paid. They didn't know what had happened to that motherfucker. <laughs> this dude, I don't know what's up with this dude. For goodness' sake. I hit that motherfucking ass one more time just for goodness sake. Hey, that nigga soldier boy said. <laughs> what did he say? Man, man, you, and he say, bro, you made me jail, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> okay, gotta run to him in. <laughs> hey, I say, yeah, nigga. That nigga said, I just want, I don't know what 12 nigga want to talk. I don't know you nigga want to talk. Ain't no, next time you nigga better holler with a bullhorn, you better use the police bullhorn and say, hey, we want to talk. Other than that, nigga, see it. Nigga, you can't just walk up to no nigga like me, hollering about I want to talk. I don't want to talk to now some bitch, nigga. Hell no. Now I'm going to talk to a hoe. The AK come on now. Nigga. <laughs> nigga got rings on his finger. Boy, that nigga hit me across my head, one of them rings, put that eye out. It'll go viral. Oh, soldier boy, put that eye out. Oh, soldier boy, hit him in his goddamn eye, put that eye out. I bet he closed his mouth now, cause that eye closed now. They wasn't gonna do me like that. You lying to me? Hell no. <laughs> nigga, I got some different kind of mates. I got some shit niggas that ain't got. I'm bullshit. <laughs> this is the jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you see right there what they say. I got some different kind of mates. He is boasting about how different his mates is. <laughs> Oh, that is that is amazing. Uh, I I'm a big fan of rap, rapper beefs. I'm a big fan, you know. It's just it's it's in me. All right, Robbie, you be good, buddy. I will talk to you later. You, yeah, you don't have to censor yourself here, my friend. Uh, Soldier Boy is like the original Takashi sixty nine. It's just that the run never ends for him. Uh, granddad of the internet, Soldier Boy shenanigans. I'm calling shenanigans on Soldier Boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Martin Luther King's like, oh my gosh, this is what the dream was deferred to for. <laughs> his mace ain't come out of his... <laughs> well, maybe it did. I don't know. Uh, I, I do think we need to see some of these, uh, these, these comments, though. I think we do need to go into the comics, comic comment section. It's Kylie Jenner. What the fuck? Where is the... This is... Oh, my God. How are we going to fucking find it like this? Man, y'all fucking... That's stupid. I ain't doing that. View comments. That's what I want to see. Here we go. Uh, Soldier Boy, first rapper to ever get pepper sprayed by another dude who took it out of his girl's purse. <laughs> Soldier Boy about to make a rap about pepper spray and start selling it. <laughs> Not running with pepper spray. Uh, boy, ain't, boy, boy, ain't nobody scared of you, Otis. <laughs> His eyes still burning. I see. 
Uh, Charles Zimbin saying he don't fight fair. He did a whole video on his weapons, <laughs> which we should probably see. Now he's the first rapper to get pepper sprayed. Uh, he's so funny. Why does T look like that? Am I tripping? I don't know. I mean, he said he doesn't fight fair and he sues everyone. He about to sue Soldier, uh, Soldier 2. Tread lightly. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The front page. She ain't playing. His eyes swollen. Oh, my God. Uh, Soldier Boy said, dude, did you spray me? He said, hell yeah, dude. Uh, Soldier Boy tells the best stories. I agree. Soldier Boy just had a great, uh, he has a great grasp on the English language. Uh, his mace ain't come out of his bee's purse. Now nah, it's a different kind of mace. He said so himself. Oh, so it didn't come out of his. Okay, so so Soldier Boy's just talking shit. <laughs> As reported by Double XL, Charleston revealed uh, during the Instagram live that a chat on Friday that he made Soldier and his crew during a confrontation in Miami. They don't know if they've been ta uh, tased. They don't know what happened to that. Uh, okay, so we just heard the whole thing. So so he didn't... I don't know. I'm just talking shit. Okay, how dare you? Waz News today. What's up, Moving Dutchman? Welcome in, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you for being here. Always a pleasure. I hope you're feeling okay. I hope you're feeling better. I hope that... Uh, I hope everything's going your way today, my friend. Uh, so yeah, there you go. It, it's uh, <laughs> Charles and White almost caught lacking. Charles and White explains why he made Soldier Boy. Why did he make Soldier Boy? With no security, so I'm standing out on College Drive, outside of a shoe palace, smoking me a blunt, waiting on my partner to get some shoes. I see this Sprinter van stop in the middle of the street, and every nigga got out the car, reached down to tie shoes or to put on some shoes, and. You can count every nigga. How many niggas? It was 12 niggas. Hit a line. dozen. Uh, man, a dozen niggas in a big sprinter band. It's the rolling loud. So ain't no niggas, ain't no group. Were they in shape? Like, like well, with a short the, tall? The, the, the big yellow niggas. <laughs> with a short tall? Four big niggas. <laughs> it was about four big niggas. All of them taller than me and Soldier Boy. Uh, the rest of the niggas had on tank top. Few niggas had on chain. But you can tell he had the two big security niggas. They had a driver. The one big nigga stayed. So I assessed this whole situation. Homie. One of the big niggas stayed in the car. The nigga with the mask had the gun. He was clutching for the gun. So Soldier Boy was telling that nigga. How you something. seeing all this like in like a split second? It's not a split second, homie. This didn't happen in no split second. You blinded one eye, right? Nigga, but I still can see you right now. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, you gotta... <laughs> see you, you see. <laughs> he said you're blinded one eye, right? <laughs> uh, the guy problems probably tell him to come over because Mace is going to be... <laughs> yeah, wrong Mace. With Soldier Boy thinking he was going to be his childhood hero, Mace, uh, from Bad Boy Entertainment, then Fanny Mace, Soldier Boy... And then I told him, how's those bad boy classic vibe with you? <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop, baby. Uh, my phone is giving me a too hot warning. Gonna let it cool off. I'll be back. Okay, baby boo. I'll talk to you later. Uh, slight cough still there, but doesn't sound nasty anymore. Oh, that sounds tasty. Yo, the, that phlegm that comes with the Rona, that's thick. It's thick like, like Raina's booty. Uh, uh, I will still, I will still give, I will still give you that warning. Turn off the cam. 
It's the only thing that will work. <laughs> the only thing, baby. So we're we're gonna see we're gonna see why uh why he pulled out his mace. So it looks like Soldier Boy and his crew rolled up on him while he was smoking a blunt. And out of his one good eye, he saw people gripping up for their guns and uh getting ready to attack him. But I'm just not sure why what what why did where did this all come from? Why does Soldier Boy wanna why why does Soldier Boy wanna like fuck this dude up? <coughs> This ain't fast, homie. This ain't these is niggas who not ready to do what they say they ready to do, homie. These is niggas who stop their car. I see them stop the car. Somebody say that's Soldier Boy. I already know me and Soldier Boy got problems. He ain't in no rush to get to me. It take them niggas a minute to walk over here to me. It give me time to. I, I'm already prepared for whatever. We're ever thinking. Yeah, let me run. Let me get the fuck out of here. Man, I ain't never thinking that. I'm saying, man, let me see what these niggas for the do because I know what I got. I know the average nigga homie don't know what to respond to what I'm about to put on them. I know this. I trained for this. I practiced this, nigga. I'm, <laughs> I'm a gun. I'm a nigga. Say I practiced this. So. Are we doing drills? I go to the gun range, homie. Off, I practice this, my nigga, because I ain't just drilling uh, for no rapper. I've been doing this, getting ready for whatever end of the wall kind of shit. Yeah, I'm one of them end of the wall, uh, army gun kind of people, homie. So, nah, I've been practicing and preparing this. I buy bullets. I buy guns. <laughs> you buy I, railroad screws. Always, Where'd you get that shit from? From the railroad, walking on the railroad. <laughs> <laughs> walking on the railroad <laughs> i feel like the guy had a debo flashback he was trying not to get knocked the fuck out yeah nobody wants to get jumped in miami what the fuck so so, so you got a shit to i'm just watching with all the weapons but okay okay, okay. so so people ain't homie so they didn't rush me yeah. they gave me time to think to plan so i, I already know if they get in striking distance, these niggas ain't walking up on me to talk. So I'm saying, man, let me see what these niggas go do. Okay, nigga, when they get up this close, hit they motherfucking ass with they made. You got to already be... Listen, homie, when I go to a restaurant, I sit somewhere where something happened. I'm already thinking, okay, there go this exit door. There, I'm already... I'm a strategic nigga, homie. I'm always... I, you, I always got to be thinking, homie. Does that mean you're living in fear or no, that, that just means you're prepared? Uh... Did you see that white boy go kill them 10 black people in Buffalo? Yeah. You better be ready. You don't know when that's coming. You seen that white, you seen that Mexican go shoot up that school in Uvalde? Homie, we living in a time. You don't know what's going to happen. They ain't living in fear. Some that's, of those things you you, you can't but, prevent, but, though. But it ain't about preventing them. It's about being ready to respond. That, you know, I'm kind of with Charles and White on this one. You kind of do got to prep for anything these days, especially listening to, especially living in this country, America. If you're in America right now, shooters are everywhere. People are going crazy. People are sad. Inflation's nuts. Joe Byron's fucking lost his goddamn mind. Like fucking, this place is fucking wild. They are openly fucking crooked. And our, our politicians are openly fucking crooks. They're openly not giving a fuck. They're telling us that inflation is not is not trans. It's transitory. They're just telling us all this shit. People are mad. They just got fucking out of lockdown for for the last couple years with the Rona. People are fucking wilding out. I I agree with Charles and White on that on that aspect. Like 
if I could carry a gun around, I probably would. It's fucking wild. There's that guy in Indiana who uh, took out a. He was a. He, uh, he walked into a mall and was gonna in open fired. And this dude who was packing and and it was crazy because just a couple days before that they passed a concealed weapons law where he could now legally carry a concealed weapon and took that fucking psycho down just uh, just a regular citizen with no military background no cop training was not no former policeman just somebody who was prepared and this motherfucker got shit, took this dude out i mean the dude took down a few people before he was shot the, the the but but still this this hero citizen who was carrying a gun fucking popped this motherfucker when he saw shit was going down. So he does have a point. Charles and White does have a point there. I know what happened. He was paranoid and he was high. <laughs> Story connect. Yeah. Well, he did say he was smoking a blunt. <laughs> weed does make you paranoid. I remember when I grew, grew weed out in California. And I was growing legally. And I still was paranoid. I lived in a fucking like, like a beach ghetto. Where people would steal your bikes, break into your house. There was a guy going around fucking doing b- bad things to women at night. So like it was a it was a safe, but it was still kind of hood. It was OB where the debris meets the sea. It, it's still like it was still a fucked up place. Lots of tweakers, you know, wandering around. So I'd always be high as fuck, looking out my back window, like nobody better steal my weed. Nobody better steal my weed. <laughs> oh shit! It was home to you. Yes, it was. It was, uh, yeah. So, you know, he was high. That is true. Mm. If you have a flat tire, don't you got an extra tire now? Yeah. Do you got a blanket just in case the car break down? Yeah. Do you got matches just in case you need to start a fire? Yeah. Well, I you see what I'm saying? I, I, I'm thinking when I leave my house, be ready for whatever. This ain't got nothing to do with fear. This got something about making it back home. That's why most niggas don't make it back home. They are bullshit. The objective is to make it back home. Well, so, so this is a perception of rappers, and I'm wondering when you see Soldier Boy. People usually kind of talk about rappers like they're the most violent people that walk the land. When know. you see ten dudes in Soulja Boy hop out, are you saying, "Yo, all right, I'm gonna do this"? So you are you, you prepared in that sense, but shit, they might just beat my ass. Long before I see Soulja Boy, I'm thinking, man, what if you ever got in a situation where somebody jumped on you? What would you need to def- defuse a situation? Man, I teach my son this. I teach my daughter this. <laughs> Anybody around me, nigga, I'm a tactical nigga. I'm a tactical <laughs> nigga. So I ain't thinking about Soldier Boy. I'm thinking about a Mexican, a bunch of Mexicans, a bunch of white boys, whomever, a bunch of dogs. I'm not thinking about something. I'm saying, nigga, if this happened, what would you do? That's what you got to be asking yourself, my nigga. Weren't you with people, though? Like, I went with nobody. Nobody. I went with nobody. I went with one other man. And all you had was Mace. And Mace. I'm down here in Miami with one other man. And the only type of the type of defense you have is Mace. It's Mace. And you knew that shit was going to work? I know it's going to work. So okay, they start walking. Put my life on it. I try. I, I try. I've got my life on this. So they start walking over. What are you doing at that point? Because saying, he says you you went in your girl's purse. And ain't, ain't, ain't no. We got the video footage. Ain't no girl got no purse. It's, you see you see the video. Ain't no woman nowhere around with no purse. I'm standing there smoking a blunt. It's other people standing in the doorway. It's a little nigga look like Nipsey Hussle from L.A. I thought he was. I thought he was the nigga that called him up there, right? Cause I said, say man, you work here, man. You smoking blunt in the door? He said, no, nah, I'm from L.A. And I said, well, shit, why would he say that? I said, man, you know them L.A. niggas don't like it. So he would get ready to buy some weed from a nigga. And I heard him say, nah, I got some I got some people. They finna come back up here and get me. He disappeared. So in my mind, he don't want to Oh, you think, he, you, you think he lied yeah. you? 
Yeah, yeah. So in my mind, he the one called Soldier Boy up there. But as I began to look in hindsight, why would they get out unprepared? Why would if he, if somebody called him, why would they get out putting their shoes on? So he must have just had to spot me because they weren't prepared. They had to put their shoes on, tie their shoes up, and that's where he <laughs> fucked up. It it gave me too much time to logically and critically think. Now I'm critically thinking. Okay, nigga, if they going to the store, no, nope, they didn't turn right. They coming straight for you. Okay, it's on. Now it ain't no time to think. Now it's time to respond, nigga. Is now, there any words exchanged? Yeah, he said, "I want to talk to you." And I don't say nothing. When he say, when, when they don't all, spray that in here. Say, when, he say, when he get right here, I let him get right enough. So he's in front of his entourage. They all lined up in front of me. I'm kind of in the corner. They kind of got me boxed in. So I really can't. What's I got up, one thing if I'm going to run. If I'm going to run, they got every opportunity to grab me, trip me. So I can't run. Nigga, I hit him. He right here. I get to get the whole entourage. I'm, the police taught me when you spray mace, you go across the eyes. Yep. And then you come back across the nose and mouth. Yep. You go, huh? Huh? How the no, fuck you get told that? What you mean? Well, I, I know law enforcement. So, so I, I know law enforcement. Man, I lit it. Man, that nigga face had man, if he was dripped in it. And it, so this is what I know. This, this just don't burn. This just don't hurt. It makes you cough. So a few seconds to a minute, you're going to be delirious. And I've watched all them niggas. Uh, uh, man, you, you face you can hear me in the video saying it. It's some niggas had the whole video of me Mason and they took it down. Damn. It's some niggas there on the Snapchat, homie. He got the whole video, but he took it down. So what some people got the back end of it. So nobody punched you at that point. Nobody punched. Man, we used to have a standout talking. And I'm talking shit. I ain't no running, nigga. We had a standoff. I'm talking but shit. But now they wiping their eyes and shit now. Man, they can't. They, <laughs> at this point, they don't know what done happened. They fucked up. They fucked up. They didn't know what done happened. He couldn't get man out, bro. Bro, you tripping. <laughs> bro, you made me yell, nigga. And it's another nigga. He's so, at this point, it's a nigga clutching a gun. It's a big nigga with a mask on and a hoodie. Yeah, nigga, we saw you. My nigga, so listen. So Pete Gang, he clutching the, the burner. Soldier boy telling that nigga to do something. Do something. That nigga said, nah. Nigga, nah. Bro. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Um, I've been sprayed in the face by mace twice. I've been sprayed in the mace by by like for training, and I've been sprayed in the sprayed in the face by a uh, 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 at the time girlfriend, and that shit fucking sucks. Uh, as long as you're not driving down the street in a car like Ray Liotta talking about you think helicopters are following us, honey. I think. Fo- that shit is amazing. R.I.P. Fucking uh, R.I.P. Uh, uh, Ray Liotta. Uh, tactical spray weapon. It is though. Yo, it is very, very. Uh, it's a very effective weapon. It's very effective. No, no. This was uh, that was just towards the end of the relationship. They gave him so much time to think because they weren't attacking them. Was the first time that I can say Soldier Boy Posse was innocent. He was paranoid. You know, they might have just wanted to talk. They might have wanted to just talk, but he was like, "Fuck that! I'm not. I'm not here to talk. I'm, I'm just gonna protect my ass." Tom Morello accidentally tackled by security guard at Rage Against Machine show. The guard was in- intercepting a fan who rushed the stage when he crashed into the guitars during the band's Toronto concert. Of course, it's in Canada. Ugh. Rage Against Machine have had a bumpy start to their long-awaited reunion. Earlier this month, at a Chicago gig, vocalist Zach De La Roca appeared to ha- uh, injured appeared to injured his leg and has been performing while seated ever since. Well, let's see, let's see, is there a video? Zach De La Roca has appeared to injure his leg. 
the long-awaited COVID-delayed reunion tour continued with their second show of run uh, at United Center in Chicago tonight. At some point during the show, Zach De La Roca appeared to have injured to injure his leg, subsequently performing multiple songs while seated. Consequence reports the multiple social media posts from eyewitnesses. Uh, show consequence uh, also shared a fan's video let's see the fan's video shall we so what's going on how did he this is a fan's video this is not this is not shit they're not doing shit well let's see him hurt himself i want to see the pain i want to see it. i've met the bass player before by the way he's pretty cool He's a really nice guy. Uh, okay, so let's get back to the story here. So somehow he, he injured his leg. So we know that. Uh, De La Roja uh, pre briefly stopped the show. Say, oh, wait. Okay, hold on. Um, now uh, uh, injured his leg and has been performing. Uh, now guitarist Tomarello has suffered a bit of a tumble, too, as TMZ and Rolling Stone pointed out. Last night, June, July 23rd, which is not last night anymore, during the band's show in Toronto, a security guard was apparently chasing down a man who had rushed onto the stage. As the security guard tackled the stage crasher, he also made contact with Morello, knocking the guitarist down as the band performed Killing in the Name of... Hmm. Uh, De La Roca briefly stopped the show saying, hold up, hold up, hold up, as he wa waited to see if Morello was okay. Morello was then helped to his feet and returned to his post on stage. The crowd cheered and the band continued performing. Watch the clip below. So let's watch the clip. This isn't even a good clip. This is a terrible clip. song is badass bro he's just sitting this is such a shit video i hate this video uh during the first reunion gig wisconsin rage against machine shared multiple messages on a massive screen behind them including words abort the supreme court the band previously pledged to donate half a million dollars to reproductive rights organizations in wisconsin and illinois the funds, $475,000 to be exact, were raised from the sale from the sale of charity tickets for the Wisconsin-Illinois show earlier this month. So that's nice. My question is, how did Zach De La Roca uh, sound unless he wasn't sounding like the guy from the Gorillas? There then, there might be a problem. But he sounds really good. Let it go. Mariah Carey does her show with her kids on the stage like she cannot afford daycare. I'm not talking shit, okay? I'm just saying that part of the show has always been Zach jumping around, being wild, okay? So that's all I'm saying, Samo. Not shit talking. Uh, I, I love Rage Against Machine. I'm a big fan. I've seen them before. I've seen, I seen Gangstar open up for Rage Against Machine, okay? That's how gangster I am. That's how gangster I am, goddammit. But that was a shit video. Hold on. No, we don't want to see that or that or that. That. I don't care about that. That. I wish. Uh, let me try to find this. Tom Morello tackled. 
Uh, is it going to show us? Show the fucking video. We wasted our life with that. Son of a bitches. The rhythm, the rhythm was moving a lot of people uh, at Scotiabank Arena. Let me tee it up first here, guys. It's a uh, horizontal phone. Forgive me, it's not bigger in landscape. It's horizontal. So that is Zach De La Rocha, the lead singer. Rocha? He injured his foot not that long ago, so he's sitting on, like, uh, a, a, perch. a bin or a suitcase. I don't know what you would call that. That's, it's, a, it's, a road, it's a road case for equipment. But he's... That, that, what is it, sorry? What is it, Robbie? Road case, road thank case. you. I'm not Bobby a roadie. Knows. I knew there was a proper. I'm <laughs> not a roadie. Uh, tell me yeah, what it's Tom all about. Morello. Tom Morello's lead guitarist for Fucking Canada. Years. One of the more respected guys in the business. He's amazing for both, not just what he does on stage in the studio, but but off stage and and and. Okay, else. we get so it. So this is, they're down from the crowd. I, I let it wait a second. Hey, oh. There you go. Down is making a beat. This is good. This is a packed Scotiabank Arena. This is isn't. There. Okay. And wait Look. a second. Hey. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I, I let it go no. too far. So, all right. So Watch wait here it goes. They're secure. He's trying to oh, get the dude. Late o'clock. There's Dave, the security guy, and Tom Rail is like, "What's this? What is this? this? There's something happening over my left shoulder." Feel the presence. Now, security's role here is to make sure this idiot. Is taken care of. Now, uh, the problem is that idiot fell off the stage, and oh. security takes out the lead oh, fucking Dave against the machine. No, Tom Morello. No. And Tom Morello ends up no. on stage. No, no. This poor security guard had you. one job. One, one job. More time. I'm gonna show it to you one more time. We do have to see it one more time. Like a giant bowling ball does to a pin. One more time. <laughs> I hate these people. Here's the guy. Here comes security. Oh. And <laughs> You know, the bodyguard. This is like the opposite of how that movie ends. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you're doing it wrong, guy. Their <laughs> triumphant fashion, as if to say. Now I want to see him actually the real video though. I saw one. I thought I did something with it, but I guess I didn't. Oh, is this the angle? Anticipated right. re ever so when a. The security guard, so in the bottom right corner, you see the fan jump over into the side stage okay. area from the crowd. He then goes to run up the stairs. Security catches it quickly and is moving okay, in. Here he goes. He then hurdles him, Super Bowl-worthy hurdle here, out of his grasp. At this point, the security guard has forward momentum, and the poor guy nah. ends up tackling Tom Morello <laughs> off the stage. This doesn't look intentional. I'm sure the security feels bad about this. Here it is full speed, so you can see how quickly this happened. This all went down in a matter of about six seconds in total. Zach quickly sees what is going on and stops the show. He sees his bandmate off the stage, has no idea what has just occurred so quickly, and here's what happened after that. He's all right. <laughs> He's all right. Yeah. Whoever the fuck is wise like that, don't 
So as Zach pointed out, don't jump up on the stage and interrupt the show. This could have been a lot worse. Tom really could have been injured. This dude was a giant tackling him off stage. Again, I don't blame the security guard at all. He was in the process of trying to tackle this dude. He was already falling forward, and he happened to run into Tom Morello. And I'm very glad that he is not injured. I, too, am not. I am, I am too, am glad that Tom's not injured. So... So there's been some complaints, obviously. Uh, fans are pissed at Rage Against Machine ha- for high ticket prices, but they should be pissed at scalpers. Uh, Rage Against Machine's entire North American tour seems to sell out in minutes, February 14th, and now scalpers have are having a field day reselling tickets for huge profits. Though most fans understand it's scalpers who charge $1,000 per ticket, others are raging against the band for the situation that's out of their control. Uh, tickets to see Rage weren't cheap in the first place, $125, uh, but to combat scalpers, Rage Against the Machine held back 10% of the allied tickets and added a nominal fee to them, donating the profits to charities and organizations. So I, I, I was out of it, $125. The most expensive ticket for any Rage Against the Machine Run the Jewels headline show is $125 US, uh, with exception of charity tickets where 100% addition of the proceeds. So that's Tom Morello talking shit on, on uh, t- Twitter. Kid Cudi needs to take a lesson. <laughs> but before tickets went uh, even, um even when on sale, scalpers were speculatively selling seats. Fans started lashing out at guitarist Tom Morello due to high costs. Oh, shit. No tickets are on sale till Thursday. These insane online prices are fake. Speculative scalping. Don't be fooled. These outrageous prices are all scalpers. No tickets are on sale till Thursday. Look, he keeps saying, again, sir, those tickets. <laughs> Look, why is he addressing these assholes? <laughs> Uh, Rage Against Machine, fight the power, stand up to the man, capitalism is broken, we're all equal, also Rage Against Machine, tickets are $400, (laughs) Rage Against Machine, we're getting back together, Rage Against the Band, yeah, fans, yes, Rage Against Machine, and we're coming to your city to rage against inequality, fans, yes, Rage Against the Machine, that'll be $450, fans, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Rage Against the Machine ain't raging against capitalism. Rage Against the Machine tickets go for 400 plus. It's just proof that you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Damn. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, fight capitalism. Capitalism must, capitalism must burn. Also, Rage Against the Machine, $450. <laughs> Thankfully, other Twitter users knew uh, to direct the anger towards fuck Ticketmaster for their artificially inflated ticket prices. $450 for nosebleeds, $300, 300 sections uh, for Rage Against Machines, so $1,200 for the convenience fee. Chaos Soul, thank you so much for that follow. What's up, Robbie? Welcome back. This is happening for everyone. Google Dolls and Gorilla tickets are both crazy expensive the three and five years ago. Wow. Scalpers uh, put them out first now. Let me let me know they were coming through, so it helped me. I happened to I happened with gorillas, so was able to get on the pre-sale. Well, that's I guess that's it. Uh, they say one hundred twenty-five dollars, but at the end of the day, with with fees and taxes, it's probably like two hundred and some dollars per ticket, and plus travel and lodging and stuff. I mean. 
I saw Rage Against the Machine for like 50 bucks, but I also I also I saw Gangstar and Rage Against the Machine for 50 bucks. And I also oh, I guess I gotta take into account inflation, right? But and this was like in the early 2000s or maybe even in the late 90s, either early 2000s or the late 90s. Um, but it, it was an amazing show. We we rushed the the floor because in Detroit at the Palace of Auburn Hills, which is now called something else, you um, you pay for the seating or you can play for general admission, which is the floor, which I think that's most places. And we fucking uh, we saw that people were gathering people up outside of the tunnels to go down to your seating, and they're like, "Come on, guys, we're gonna rush the fucking floor. We're gonna rush the floor." And my boy JD was with me, and we're and he was like, "Dude, let's do this." And and he was like, "You're fucking big," and I was like 300 pounds then, so like I would just like mow motherfuckers over. So he gathers up a big crowd, and we're just like, "Come on, let's go. We're gonna rush the fucking floor." We run down that bitch so fast. It's like waterfall. And you see it happening. It's just like waterfalls of dudes just running towards the floor. Because we pay $50 for some nosebleed seats. And then fucking we're like for rage. We got to get on that floor so we can mosh and be crazy. We fucking, we got, we ran down. Security saw us coming and they tried to stop. But security can't stop a big waterfall of human beings, especially when you got a 300 pound fucking fat kid coming. Ah! So, <laughs> so we end up getting stopped right before we can jump the wall. And my buddy gets pinned between a seat and a big crowd of people. And he, and like, I remember you could see that panic in his eyes. It was just like, and his eyes were all bulging and i'm like trying to pull him out and i'm like fucking like jabbing motherfuckers like get the fuck off me get off him and so i finally get my buddy up he didn't die thankfully and so we got we got busted out but uh uh, we, we got told that we had to go back and so we we started walking back up the stairs just for a whole nother fucking waterfall of dudes just some rushing towards us and we're like oh fuck so we just turn around and we're like fuck you and the security guard jumps out of the way because he doesn't want to get pinned down and fucked up so we i fucking went i ran and i jumped over the wall and like i was so fat i couldn't get my leg over so i went like straight over like it was like the worst thing ever i was just like (laughs) and landed right on my back (laughs) knocked the wind out of myself but hey i got to be on the floor to see one of the greatest bands in the fucking world ever to fucking exist at, at probably their, not probably their peak. Yeah, at their peak, probably. I mean, that was, I can't remember what album. I think it was their last album they put out, which was, what was it? Something LA? Anyways, whatever. So I was, um, Gorilla's show, San Francisco show, $499 for two killed me. Yeah, yeah, the cost, I got four for 350 I think. God damn. God damn. Timing for boobs. Yeah, baby. We got boobs. We might do boobs again before we end, just so you guys know. Just so you know. Shout out to Scalpers for buying all the tickets So uh, to Rage Against Machine Tour already. Guess if you want to see your favorite band these days, you got to pay 300 plus for the release. What a joke. Fuck you, Ticketmaster, and fuck you, Scalpers. Well, I well the thought of taking my son to Rage Against the Machine in Arizona was a good one, but it's absolutely asinine. Uh, when is enough going to be enough?
Okay, $1,000, get the fuck out of here, god damn, so we should, we should cover this, we should cover fucking, um, we should cover, I'm gonna look into this, like, these tickets and stuff, and these, these scalpers getting these tickets, okay, so, people are pissed, even $125, people are pissed, you know what I mean, so, um, I, I, with their ideology, I kind of want to go through this a little bit, um, cause, because the political views and activism of Rage Against Machine, they've done a lot of awesome activism. No, you know what? Uh, well, maybe we'll read a little bit of this. Okay. You know what? The video that we're going to watch covers this shit. So let's do that. Uh, what is this? So this one is called, did, did Rage Against the Machine sell out? And, uh, this one is pretty good. So let's sort of start from here dead it's not surprising rage against the machine with their politically charged music would encounter strife and challenges during their career in fact the struggles of the band members had a heavy hand in shaping their ideals this is the tragic real life story of rage against the machine tragic zach de la rocha was born on january 12 1970 in long beach california his father roberto beto de la rocha was a muralist whose politically charged chicano artworks with los four introduced the radical art style to the area according to the la times the elder de la rocha was part of a landmark chicano art exhibition in the mid-70s but shortly afterward he destroyed all his paintings and retreated from the art world for 20 years God the damn. powerful messaging of these works was an early influence on zach one which would be later reflected in the socially aware and righteously angry music he'd write with rage against the machine that's crazy man when when artists destroy their art and they're just like fuck it i'm over it de la roach's parents divorced when he was still a baby and he was raised by his mother in the city of irvine in orange county there in an overwhelmingly white area zach experienced racism and bullying for his mexican heritage one particular incident in high school during which a teacher casually used an anti-latino racial slur to de la roach's classmates amusement reinforced for him the insidious nature of racism as noted in Rage Against the Machine, Stage Fighters. According to Joel McIver's book, Know Your Enemy, De La Rocha called Irvine, quote, one of the most racist cities imaginable. Born in 1964 to- Irvine, if anybody doesn't know, Irvine, California is Southern California, and it's uh, Orange County, and it's before Los Angeles. And Irvine, Orange County is a notoriously white <laughs> fucking area of the country. It's very expensive. And I'm sure during this time, and this is probably the 80s when he's in high school, uh, I'm sure there's just unmitigated hate towards Mexicans, which uh, which now when you look at who occupies that space now is a lot of Latinos. Lots of Latinos live down there. I mean, it's so close to the border. And as Latinos are coming up, I mean, we're, we're just taking over, yo. That's just how it goes. So I that that that's a tough thing. It, 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 like... It, and I had a similar thing where, where fucking I came up and I was going to school at a very white part of the world. It was country white. Country white is different than Irvine white. But, uh, you know, I was I was passable white until they saw my mom drop me off. And then that's when they started making fun of me for being Mexican and shit. So that's that's how that shit goes. <laughs> that's how that shit goes. Uh, I, I, I was passable white until until they saw my mother. So... But you know, whatever. It could have been worse. It could have been much worse for me. To a Kenyan revolutionary father and a white American activist mother, Tom Morello was known the world over as one of the great modern American rock guitarists. But it took a difficult upbringing to. Which is very true. I just want to second that Tom Morello is seen as an innovator on the guitar. 
he did things with on the guitar that no one's really you know attempted to do and his stylings are very interesting and very um unique and so tom morello is now is also uh is also known as someone who's brought a very different feel and 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 um and and the idea like different ideas different approaches to the guitar that nobody's really heard before so he's also uh what do they call those motherfuckers a um what do you call that when someone's changing a game changer nah fuck it he was a game changer for the guitar to get him there like zach de la rocha morello's parents divorced when he was just one year old also like de la rocha morello experienced racism and bullying in his case living in a 99.9 percent white town with his mother according to know your enemy mary morello continued to devote herself to anti-racist and social justice causes bono. even as hostility toward bono. her mixed race family hey, made it difficult bon. for them to find Welcome housing back. both mother and son were harassed with mary sometimes finding objects related to the ku klux klan in her office damn. one time she also found a noose hung in their garage Growing oh, damn. up, Morello was influenced as much by his personal experiences with Bun, racism Bun, as by the radical political ideas first Bun. introduced by his parents. The Black Panther Party was a regular topic of discussion during Morello's childhood, and he was drawn to the writings of its founders, Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale. None, none of my heroes ever appear on the ballot. Hmm. Unsurprisingly, That's music true. also heavily influenced his worldview, particularly bands like Innovator, Clash, who were using high... Um, it's not Innovator, it's um, Virtuoso. He's a virtuoso. He's considered a virtuoso, even though he's not like super shreddy or anything. It's just his approach to the guitar is very virtuistic. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Tom Morello is very well known for what he does. He's very well known for being a fucking awesome guitarist who brought, who changed the game. Who, who he was using that. Uh, uh, he uses the whammy pedal. That's how he gets a. Uh, it's called the whammy pedal by um, Digitech. Digitech is that it? Any guitar? Maybe uh, Pizza Man is a Digitech who makes pedals. Octane punk music to deliver criticism of U.S. foreign policy, economic injustice, and other radical messages that would later appear in Morello's music as well. Bassist and backup vocalist Tim Comerford was born in Irvine, California in 1968. His father was an aerospace engineer, and his mother was a teacher and mathematician. In an early devastating blow, Comerford's mother was diagnosed with brain cancer when he was just seven years old. By the time Comerford was in third grade, his mother could no longer help with or even understand his homework. She left to get treatment and stay with her sister in Sacramento, while Comerford's father remarried. Comerford had a difficult relationship with his family, particularly his father. He sometimes lashed out at or bullied other children, as noted in McIver's Know Your Enemy. Thankfully, it's my he COVID developed a friendship with Zach De La Rocha in high school. <laughs> it was Zach who introduced him to the bass guitar and inspired him to find healthier outlets in poetry and music. Even though his upbringing was marked with serious challenges, Morello excelled in school and was the first student from his high school to attend Harvard. After graduating, you see what he was doing there. He was playing with his selector switch, which he was he was uh, he was fucking with his selector switch, which would give him like a slicer effect. So it'd be like, hold on, let me see if I could get his slicer effect. I fucked up Reina's whole thing. She's gonna be pissed. So it would be like something like this. Uh, 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 ooh, ee, uh, ooh, ee, 
but with the guitar so he'd be fucking with the selector switch and it would fucking mute it and you just find different sounds within the guitar he was also uh somebody who took his the the quarter inch cable out and would touch it to his guitar to get a ground sound which is usually an ugly sound but he used it to his advantage so yeah he's definitely fucking he was definitely doing weird and different things with it 1986 with a bachelor of arts in social studies he moved to los angeles where even a history of hardship and a degree from an ivy league school couldn't guarantee him work with music already a driving goal of morello's he searched for daytime and part-time gigs that could support him without getting in the way of his music in addition to odd jobs and menial labor morello took up exotic dancing to pay the bills from there he I didn't expect that when I watched this video. I did not expect Tom Morello to be a fucking a Chippendale or or an exotic dancer. But yay, you gotta pay those bills, baby. Enjoy the check. Have a good uh, rest of the stream, friend. All right, buddy. I'll see you later. Uh, love you, buddy. Uh, anyway, running to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. Let's go. Let's go, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Okay. Um, let's go. He went to work for California Senator Alan Cranston, an experience which furthered his disillusionment with the American political process. Right from the start, Rage Against the Machine wrote music that was loudly and fiercely opposed to American systems of power. Politically charged songs like Bulls on Parade and Killing in the Name were launched onto the charts and into radio, controversial messaging and all. Still, all the popularity in the world couldn't stop Rage Against the Machine from being censored regularly. One of the most infamous early examples of this was their first and only performance on Saturday Night Live in April 1996. According to Rolling Stone, the band's two-song performance was cut down to one after they attempted to hang upside-down American flags on the amps during the set. With billionaire and then-Republican primary candidate Steve Forbes hosting the show that night, Rage saw the perfect opportunity to voice their opposition. Instead, they were essentially chased from the studio and banned from performing on Saturday Night Live ever again. So, also, you gotta think about who owned NBC at that time? I don't think they own it, but GE owned NBC at that time. And so when you think about what's going on, they're trying to, uh, and GE is a big manufacturer for explosives and weapons and stuff. So they, they were somebody who, they were a company that, or they are a company that, you know, makes a lot of money off of this whole idea of America, this whole idea that America is number one, and that we got to go bomb the hell out of that country. You know, there's a whole, there's that whole lore or in that whole idea here in America where we're just like, we'll bomb them back to hell, you know? It's like, we're going to fuck it. So we're going to smoke them out. And, uh, you know, GE, they make their, that's their bread and butter is, is, is what at the time was sort of capitalizing off of the Patriot not patriarchy, but the patriotism of, of Americans and, and the sway of American opinion with the pro-war ideology. Now, fucking, you know, Rage Against the Machine was very much anti-war, fucking anti-system, although it was the system and capitalism that made them very, very wealthy uh, young men at the time still are very wealthy men so as with their history of censorship rage against the machine has a long and storied tradition of having their shows disrupted or shut down by police according to the seattle times sheriff bill weister attempted and ultimately failed to block the band from performing a concert at washington state's famous outdoor venue the gorge claiming that rage's presence would lead to disorderly behavior 
Furthermore, a performance and demonstration at the 2000 Democratic National Convention led to a crowd of about 8,000 getting chased out and beaten with batons by mounted police and fired on with rubber bullets. At least six people were arrested, an action which was condemned by the American Civil Liberties Union. You have 15 minutes to disperse. Perhaps most notable was the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> this was incident. dope. According I remember when this Rage happened. The Machine, the band was in front of the building filming a music video for Sleep Now in the Fire, helmed by documentary filmmaker Michael Moore. Police eventually arrived and ordered the makeshift concert shut down, detaining and removing Moore. Rage Against the Machine, along with members of the crowd, attempted to enter the building, and in an incredibly rare occurrence, the New York Stock Exchange's security doors slammed shut, with the entire exchange closed an hour early. No money was harmed. By 2000, the pressure on Rage Against the Machine was building to a breaking point. Between pleasing their hungry fans, making their music industry handlers happy, and avoiding police violence and national censorship here and there, it's a wonder that the band didn't break up earlier. In October 2000, Zach De La Rocha announced that he was leaving the band. According to E! Online, De La Rocha felt the band's decision-making process wasn't working and was undermining their, quote, artistic and political ideal. But the decision was very difficult, and it took a heavy toll on De La Rocha. The rest of Rage Against the Machine, meanwhile, wasn't interested in breaking up. Comerford, drummer Brad Wilk, and Morello issued a statement following the one from De La Rocha, saying that they were committed to writing groundbreaking music that would inspire political and social change. In their search for a new lead singer, the band found Chris Cornell of Soundgarden and formed Audio Slave in 2001. Which Audio Slave was just okay. Not that great at all. Uh, okay, so... So that kind of gives you some ideas of where they're coming from. They've always faced a sense of censorship and stuff. So I, I like this video of this dude. He was kind of talking about why people think that Rage Against the Machine. So it seems like they came up to the same thing with System of Down. You know, same. I was trying to look into some of the stuff that System of a Down was into, and I, I didn't find a whole lot on like their political views. I'm sure there is stuff out there, but I didn't find a whole lot on like what they were up against and uh what what they were for and what they were against again i found some but i didn't find a lot like uh, rage against machine was just wore their shit on their sleeve they're like we are not for what you think we are so uh in you know the censorship shit has always been a problem and uh i mean and now more than ever so i don't know some there, this was a pretty decent article that was putting together um but they're because they were involved with the sense 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 i can't remember what it was called uh so rage against uh, uh uh so here's the ezln the band's very vocal uh supporters of the zapatista army of natural liberation especially de la rocha who has taken several trips to mexican state of chipas or Chiapas, uh, to aid in the efforts. The flag of EZLN serves as the primary reoccurring theme of the band's visual art. Morello described EZLN as a guerrilla army who represents the poor indigenous communities in southern Mexico who for hundreds of years have, hundreds of years have been trodden upon and sort of cast aside and which really are the lowest form of the economic social ladder in Mexico. In 1994, on New Year's Day, there was an uprising there, and they were led by the charismatic sub subcomandante Marcos, and it's a group which is tremendously supportive of the most objectively poor and can use the fight for dignity for all people of Mexico. An interviewer was once told by De La Rocha, our purpose is in sympathizing with the Zap Zap Zapatistas is 
to help spark uh, to spark dialogue. De La Rocha has been particularly spoken out in the cause of EZLN. He explained the importance of the cause to him personally. Uh, it is important to me as a popular artist to make clear to the governments of the United States of Mexico that despite the strategy of fear and intimidation to foreigners, despite their weapons, despite uh, their immigration laws and military reserves, they will never be able to isolate Zapatista communities from the people in the United States. Through concerts, videos, interviews, broadcasting, and information at concerts and our song lyrics, we are placed within reach of young people, our audience, the experiences of the Zapatistas. It, well, we act full, uh, as full, full, full facilitators, goddamn, sorry guys, of the ways in which they can participate and put them in contact with the organization. So that's one of their political views. Seems like they came, uh, oh yeah. Uh, so Radio Free, so we heard about the Saturday Night Live incident. Um, Sleep Now in the Fire is the when they shut down the stock exchange. The National the National Democratic uh, Convention was awesome. They were fucking with them. And the Republican National Convention. Uh, assassination comments, controversy, rage, rage against torture. So they've always they've been really involved in activism and stuff. That's kind of what their bread and butter was in, in a sense. Um, so let's let's get into this video. They were thinking more bit. like, oh yeah, mom, you want to war robots. They call it a six variety there is the map. Friend Kevin brought the tape to school, told me it was a new favorite band, and gave me his Walkman to check it out. I put the headphones on, press play, and I was like, okay, I listen to hardcore and I listen to rap, but this is something different. This is like both of those things at once, and it actually doesn't feel forced or corny. And the reason I say that is because, as most of you probably know, an amazing frontman, incredible vocalist. And one thing in particular that I want to point out is like, notice how simple his lyrics were. Like, Killing in the Name of, I think only has eight lines in it. He was so good at coming up with these like super simple lyrics that were really easy to sing along with. I know a lot of people won't like this, but it actually reminds me of Lil Pump, who's also great at that. That's how you blow up, right? And speaking of which, this is probably... Uh -oh. And on top of that, a super, super tight rhythm section. They had great music. They had the major label promotional machine behind them. That's how you blow up, right? And speaking of which, this is probably a good time to address the first big question about Rage. If they're these super hardcore leftists that hate capitalism, then why do they sign to a major label? Why do they make all these videos on MTV that played after ads for Doritos and Super Nintendo? Why did they do interviews in Rolling Stone that would be next to an ad for pickup trucks or Miller Lite or whatever? Why did they participate in the whole like mainstream media machine? Why didn't they just stay an underground DIY hardcore band and play shows with Born Against and Struggle and Downcast? Well, as you might expect, lots of people ask the same question, and here was their answer from Tom. When you live in a capitalistic society, the currency of the dissemination of information goes through capitalistic channels. Would Noam Chomsky object to his works being sold at Barnes & Noble? No, because that's where people buy their books. And whether you like their politics or not, personally, I disagree with them on a lot of things, but this video is not a referendum on their politics. The fact of the matter is that if their plan was to use their music as a vehicle and a platform to get their message out, then that plan definitely worked. That said, hey, Sammy, what's going on, brother? Good to see you, my friend. We're just talking about Rage Against the Machine, and uh, you know their ticket caught their ticket prices are crazy, and people call them kind of sellouts. Mm -hmm. Sammy, sign effects. How Westbia dare you? Jeremain, Westbia, Jeremain, Westbia, Jeremain, Westbia, Jeremain. Jeremain, Jeremain, Jeremain. Uh, Sammy, side effects. Thank you so much for that sub, and this is for you, my friend. This is for you. Where is it? Hello and welcome to We Speak English Good TV. I'm your announcer, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now please, put your fists in the air. Wave them like you do not care. For your host, Mike E.P. Sammy Zybex, thank you so much, my friend. You are the shit. I appreciate you. 
appreciate you. Everybody, go and give Sammy SciFX some love. Can we get a shout out for Sammy SciFX? Sammy SciFX is a, 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 a fucking hilarious. He's an extremely, extremely talented multi-instrumentalist who uh, does live looping. And he does. He has his own awesome songs, and he does a lot of fucking cool things. So go check him out. He has a green screen. He's killing it. He's killing it out there. He's also a live performer. He also has TikTok videos. I'm just a boy. <laughs> hot, a hot young boy, exactly. And he's hot. So go and get go go get go get some hot loads over there. A hot load of uh, of Sammy side effects. Uh, Sammy, we're talking about Rage Against the Machine, and we're trying to figure out their sellouts. And um, you know, ticket prices are ranging from 125 to about 450 dollars a piece. Uh, and they're saying that it's the scalpers, but, uh, I don't know. Tom Morello was tackled by a security guard on, on, uh, a couple days ago on stage. So we're just, we're just, we're just getting into it, seeing what's going on. We'll say no more. <laughs> we'll say no more. Get a hot load from Sammy side effects. True that probably 90% of their audience didn't pay any attention to their politics. Like the football guys I mentioned. Well, what, what's interesting, so a lot of people were criticizing Rage Against the Machine for, um, for, for selling out and signing to a major label, doing all these different uh, promotions through Rolling Stone, having their videos on MTV. And Zach De La Rocha was sort of expressing how, like, uh, well, this is how we get our, our message out. Uh, through capitalistic means, and he brought up that the idea of uh, would Noam Chomsky be opposed to selling his book at Barnes and Noble? No, because that's where people buy books, and just because it's a part of a capitalistic, uh, capitalistic uh, ideology and a capitalistic machine, uh, doesn't mean that they they still don't have this message they want to put forth. They just want to, uh, yeah, I, I agree too, Sammy side effects. So I, so far, I'm not, I don't think they're sellouts, uh, but, but this all stemmed from a conversation I had with my friend who was like, fucking, fuck you, kid. Don't, I, uh, I won't do what you tell me. And to, he said, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me to fuck you, get a job. And so you can afford these fucking tickets. <laughs> I mean, like money, but yeah, I imagine they're probably all doing pretty well. Yes, of course, they're doing very well. But they've done a lot of wonderful things with their money and a lot of charity uh, stuff that they've uh, applied their money to. So, you know, anyways, moving on. We're not reading the liner notes and going, oh, who's this Mumia guy? But when your audience is in the millions as theirs was, even if 90% of them don't get it, 10% of, you know, millions and millions of people is still a lot of people. And they definitely did spread a lot of awareness with the platform that they had. For example, the video for Freedom, which I saw tons of times on MTV, was about the Native American activist Leonard Peltier. They talked a lot about things like colonialism and Eurocentrism that were very new ideas back then, like the whole Columbus Day is genocide thing you've heard a million times now. Nobody was talking about that in 1992. And Truth. how many millions and millions of kids became aware of these issues because of something that Raging Against the Machine said in Rolling Stone or MTV or any one of these other big mainstream media outlets. They were on a roll back then. It seemed like they were just unstoppable. The only thing I really remember as being kind of a bump on the road was they had some beef with a band called Downset, who were another Another band that came out of the Southern California hardcore scene and started doing like political rap rock around the same time as Rage Against the Machine, they were a lot closer to actual LA street culture. And so when they heard the Rage line rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun, they came at Zach with this song. Personally, I've always liked Downset a lot better than Rage, especially yeah. their second album, Do We Speak a Dead Language.
But anyway, that that was that's fucking terrible. That sounded like fucking Fred Durst. <laughs> that sounded like Fred Durst. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Rage, Machine, Rage Against Machine had a little bit more finesse to the genre than um, than than Downset. Downset, they're all right. They're not horrible, but like it, it also just seemed like they were trying to pick a fight with a band that was way more massively uh, popular than them. Because who remembers Downset anymore? Nobody remembers Downset, but you know who fucking buys four hundred fifty dollars tickets to, to 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 go see their band, go see their favorite band, Rage Against the Machine fans. I fucked that whole thing up. I like punk rock, NBA, but often it's he's a contrarian. Yeah, I, I yeah for sure. Holy yeah. Well, apparently they're blaming the the um, yeah. <laughs> They're blaming the 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 hey leave Frederick alone. You better you better calm down. Uh, uh, alone down set seems like they were original clout chasers. Yeah, it does seem like that. Um, well, they're Rage Against the Machine is blaming the what were they blaming the the people who buy the tickets and then charge an arm and a leg scalpers. They're blaming scalper scalpers for that price but their tickets are starting at 125 dollars a piece so i i told the story how i seen rage against machine for 50 bucks with gangstar but that was early 2000 maybe late 90s probably late 90s if the band had broken up then, if that first album was all there ever was to Rage Against the Machine, that itself would have been pretty interesting. But what's even more incredible is that this was just the beginning. Uh, come on, yeah. Rage Against the Machine's second album, Evil Empire, came out in 1996, debuted at number one, awesome knocking album. Alanis Morissette out of that slot, actually. And if anybody thought that they were going to water it down either musically or politically, that was definitely not the case. Musically, I think that album was just pretty much exactly what it should have been. Same thing as the first album, just better. No compromises there. They definitely didn't go pop or start writing love songs or car commercials or anything. And lyrically, if anything, they went more radical. One of the main things being that they aligned themselves with a guerrilla group called the Zapatistas in Mexico. And like I said earlier, this video is not a referendum on their politics. And honestly, I don't know enough about the Zapatistas to have an informed opinion on that. But either way, a billboard... And we were kind of talking about what they did. They were they were like the low, the lowest income earners of, of the poorest of people who were being taken advantage of and exploited by the Mexican government and Zach De La Rocha had a big hand in funding these guys and and they they were definitely guerrilla fighters they were definitely walking around and shooting motherfuckers so or number one band like vocally aligning themselves with what was essentially like a revolutionary communist paramilitary group was pretty wild shit. There was also their infamous Saturday Night Live performance. To make a long story short, they played Saturday Night Live. They wanted to have upside down American flags in the background, but the show's producers were not having it, came out at the last minute, tore them off, and they ended up playing Saturday Night Live without the flag. And to me, this is Sell a up. really good example of the line that Rage Against the Machine walked. It should come as no surprise that General Electric, which owns NBC, would find the second song there we were going go. to play that night, Bullet in the Head, objectionable. It's a song which is in part about the media manipulation of public opinion during the Gulf War, and GE was a major manufacturer of warplanes that were used to commit war crimes in the Gulf. So on the one hand, you could look at it as they caved in. They played on SNL, which is owned by NBC, which is owned by GE, which implicit in war crimes, and they just let the producers take the flags down and play it anyway. So that's one way you could look at it. On the other hand, you could say, okay, sure, but still, playing that song on SNL was an opportunity for them to get this pretty radical message out to however many millions and millions of people were watching that night. I think you can make a pretty reasonable case for either side of that. Personally, I feel like if you really truly believe that NBC is complicit in 
war crimes. I mean, that's some pretty serious shit. If you really truly believe that, you would never even consider playing that show at all. So I kind of question how much they really believe that, but who knows? That's a good point. That's a good point. If you know what these people are doing and you're going to go and support that. No problem, Morby. Love you. Love you, G. You have a great night. I hope you fucking have a wonderful day ahead of you. Be good. Be well. Sweet dreams, my friend. Their next album, The Battle for Los Angeles, came out in 1999 and also debuted at number one. I personally don't like it as much musically as their first album. Yeah, you're right, Sammy. And you got to think about it, too. How many, like, fucking people who are, like, fans of of, of these, like, uh, underground bands that uh, who are like, uh, fucking, yeah, these guys are awesome when there's, like, ten people at their show. But then as soon as they blow up, they're like, oh, sweet, they fucking sold out because they got popular. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You, people are just going to be mad at you because fucking uh, you gain popularity and you gain fucking attention and, and, and you're no longer their little secret that nobody knows about but you. It, it, it's ridiculous. It's like if you like a band, you want to see them be as successful as they could possibly be so they can release as much material and content as possible, not not just be your little fucking secret show you know and fucking five people show up to their show you know like th that's not how a band uh, that's not how a band works that's not how a band sustains it's unsustainable especially these days with gas prices chewing around nobody's showing up to your show that's bullshit well, it's a little too like rock for me compared to the first album, but that's just my opinion. Objectively, I think it was a really well done album. And once again, the band showed absolutely no sign of watering down their politics. Their infamous incident where they shut down the New York Stock Exchange for a little bit would be a great example of that. But anything that intense can't last forever. The band broke up in 2000, basically because of internal conflict. It seemed like they just couldn't really get along from what I can tell. But in the eight or nine years that they were active and the three albums they put out, they left a permanent impression on the world of rock and metal. They say, did. yeah, they're just doing what Rage did 20, 25 years ago. The dishes? Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. The most infamous and amusing example of that would be their number one fan, the Republican politician Paul Ryan. And lastly, the big question is, are they just full of shit? Were they just hypocrites who got rich using communism as a marketing tactic? Well, I don't think there's like a yes or no answer to that. I think that's something that each of us has to decide. That's a very subjective thing. But personally, my take is that they are human. And like all humans, none of us are perfect. I think that they really do sincerely believe everything that they're saying. I don't think any of that is like fabricated or insincere or anything. I do think they believed in that message and they wanted to change the world for the better. And being normal humans, I think that they also wanted to get rich and famous. And there's going to be times in which those two things are at odds. Like the SNL thing, the MTV stuff, the whole idea of selling, you know, expensive t-shirts and the whole thing with their reunion tour and the super high ticket prices at these giant corporate owned venues. I understand that they have an explanation for that with scalping and charities and all that, but still not a good look. And I don't want to get too political here or anything, but I think it just kind of has to be pointed out that their sort of casual endorsement of communism is really kind of fundamentally at odds with the anti-authoritarian part of their message. I get that to Tom, a guy who grew up in middle-class America, went to Harvard. To him, commie is just cool, edgy slogan that he can put on a hat in his next Rolling Stone photo shoot to shock everybody back home in Illinois. But let's remember <laughs> that it's not that for everybody. It's a very real thing to the millions and millions of people out there who suffered or died at the hands of communist regimes. And to them, it might not be so cute. For example, my father-in-law is one of the thousands and thousands of people who got put in prison by the communist government in Vietnam. And he probably would have died in there if he didn't manage to break out, escape Vietnam, and bring their family to America. When you say re-education camp, that's the term the communist government used. 
For us, it was truly a prison. All of that being said, I do give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that they are sincere. I think they really do believe what they're saying. They may not be 100% consistent all the time. They're certainly not perfect. I mean, who is? They're human beings who fall prey to vanity and ego and greed, just like the rest of us. And I think if you put any of us under the microscope and made us pass that same kind of purity test, I think all of us would probably fail it too. So all of that being said, I think they did just about as good of a job as anybody possibly could at what they were trying to do, at being a giant mega famous billboard number one band and putting a radical political message out there. Yeah, that's one thing that you got to say is that Rage Against the Machine, for all their faults, they... For all their faults, they've they've stuck true to that 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 rebellious nature. Yeah, those are some high ticket prices. <laughs> those are really high ticket prices. But with inflation and gas. Uh, but that being said, I, I agree with this dude. He he definitely, I think he he pulled it apart really well. And the idea of communism, man, like there's there's this <laughs> Communism. There's never been an i. There's never been uh, a a government that's practiced communism or put it into practice where it hasn't turned out to be just a, a horrible shit show. Tons of people dying, tons of people suffering. Only the top are winning, and I, I realize that that could be, you know, that could also be a definition of capitalism as well. <clears throat> But but there's never been a, a system that's worked that has allowed a, a country like America and a, a band such as a, a Rage Against Machine to flourish and to be able to have the freedom to say what they did say for, for us to be able to say what we are saying. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of capitalism. I do think that, you know, obviously it, it's built on the backs of the poor. Uh, but I do think that there's some sort of medium that we could come to where we have a, a mixture of both, uh, and uh, maybe that would work. But who fucking knows, man? Who fucking knows? I mean, there's a lot of ideas that are socialist uh, in this country that are practiced, like the fire department. Uh, we have social welfare, social a social net for people, uh, which is uh, like two thirds of our budget is it goes to um, to to you know welfare and and healthcare and helping people who who need help which I'm a big supporter of that I'm a big proponent of of those programs so you know I I think that if we can find a happy medium uh maybe they found maybe rage against the machine found their happy medium I don't know uh no one's ever going to let communist system work either uh though usually the U.S. invades. Rage probably would not have existed in, say, China. Absolutely. We should just expand the social programs. There's no way two-thirds of the budget goes to welfare. Let's look at our budget real quick before we before we, before we play boobs again. Um, USA's national budget, is that what it's called? U.S. national budget. Breaking down the U.S. budget. Where's the pie graphs? We need the pie graphs. We have images. So here's government spending. You, you're probably right, but let's see. Government spending in the United States. So here's 2020. What's other... <laughs> <laughs> What's other? So welfare, defense is 10%. Welfare, education, healthcare, 
uh, pensions and Social Security. So that definitely looks like between 12, 13, 21, and 15%. What is that? However, almost half of it is military. Well, this looks like 10%. But what's other? That's what I want to know. What the fuck is other? <laughs> so this is off Wikipedia. Who knows if this is right? But if we're looking at the 2020 budget, education, which is in a way social welfare, right? Like free education for, you know, un before college, school is free for the most part. Uh, welfare, which is, you know, we know welfare. Healthcare which is, you know, which was expanded under the Obama regime. And then pensions and Social Security, which is a social net. Uh, the graph is different than my graph. <laughs> Where's your graph at? I need your graph. Uh, I want to know what other is, though. What's other? So the federal budget in the fiscal year 2020 above... Uh, the gr that graph is different than my graph above. LOL. Where's your graph? Where is it? Uh, so let's see. Na national defense about nine nine hundred fourteen billion. Other, which is let's see what other is. Outlays of federal, civilian, and military retirement, some veterans' benefits, others uh, earned income, child tax credits, supplemental nutrition assistance programs, and other mandatory programs minus income. So, so this other is uh, ap apparently still uh, a social net there. Oh, are you trying to? Oh, I see what you're trying to do. Uh, Sammy, will you send that to me via um, whispers, please? I want to see your chart. Don't you fucking do it, you son of a bitch. Okay, there it is. If you can, send it send it via whispers, and then I'll open that up over here. Oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> Welcome to chat. Yeah, because I want to see your shit. So, mandatory spending, Medicare... So I mean, if you're looking at this, it does. If you're going by this budget right here, we'll go right here. if you're going by this budget, it does seem to be almost more than two thirds goes to to social network or social netting um, and social care. So that's all I'm saying. We, it, there's still a lot unemployment, paycheck protection program. So and this is also 2020, which is the the fucking the pandemic year. So. You know, this is probably not a great uh, a great gauge either. Um, well, that's good. Well, that's good. I'm I'm surprised. I was surprised too. I was really surprised as well. Okay, so net interest mandatory. See, I don't know what these mean. Mandatory. So here we go. Food now, agriculture, military. Oh shit! Look at that military. <laughs> So that is so uh, discretionary budget. So this is 2020 fighting for budget prioritized peace national priorities project. Okay, so this is a national priorities project. Oh God, what did I just click on? So if we can go in here. So yours is um, so education, veteran benefits, government, government. Uh, one 
that's 300 um that's about 400 that's 500 that's in the 600 so we have all these and then the military which is almost half so it's almost half according to this chart almost half went to 2021 go down one more so i mean if you're going by this okay so mandatory federal spending fiscal year 2021 5.2 trillion and here it says military on here says which is military is what purple military is 21 billion so which chart do we go by so social security unemployment and labor that says 52 percent medicare is uh 27 percent so if we're going by this one this one only says that it's about 0.41 percent food and weed culture the tiniest <laughs> which is kind of sad that food and agriculture isn't more because we have nothing our food here is garbage uh, 80%, what was it? 80, the last one says federal spending. Total federal spending. So here we go. Um, let's look at military. Military says 10.9%. Social Security, science. So look how little science gets. Look how little science gets. That's why we're not number one anymore. We're fucking, we invest garbagely, which social security is important. I definitely agree that social security is important. Medicare and health is definitely important. Veterans benefits. We want to take care of our veterans. Housing is important. Government, whatever that means. International affairs, I guess we got to say, but energy is garbage. Science is garbage. Transportation is okay, I guess. Food and culture. I feel like food and agriculture should be way more invested in. Yeah, NASA is fucked. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, you know, when we look at last year, it does seem like a majority of our, uh, of our funding does go to social net programs. Education, what the fuck? Yeah, man. Yeah, education is g g g g g g garbage. <laughs> we are garbage in education. We do not invest in education. Do we invest more in education or military? What do you guys think? Mo military or education? So education says 6.21% and military says 10.9%. See, can we switch that shit around a little? <laughs> can we switch that shit around a little? And this money is all going into these fucking asshole companies who are just making millions and millions of dollars off of billions of dollars off of fucking bombing brown people. And it just sucks. Military. So we don't have to. <laughs> so there you go. This is America in a nutshell, I suppose.